Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. Hey, doing baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, the two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, number one best-selling author, the man who always tells it like it is, direct from San Antonio, Texas, where it's got to still be one of the hottest places in the country. Oh, He's the baseball life himself, John Gibbons. Johnny, how you doing? Johnny, I'm doing good, man. But you were right. It's some kind of hot man, down here. You know, when I was I was away during baseball season, you know, for f- over 40 years, and there's some other hot places in the country, you know, don't get me wrong, down south. But this has been, it's been brutal down here. My wife and I were thinking about, uh, we're going to take a, spend a couple months up in the northwest and, and think about moving there. There you go. I mean, it's just brutal and it's unrelenting, which is the crazy thing, but uh, crazy stuff. But we do have a hot show today, John. We got a very hot show today. Uh, the Blue Jays obviously continuing a second half surge coming off a sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We will discuss the Jays recent success and today's gabbing with Gibby John in honor of the Hall of Fame week. And it's brought to you by Tim Hortons. A true legend will join us. One of the greatest pitchers in Major League Baseball history. Mr. Jim Palmer will be with us on today's show, and we'll have another Roast and Toast inspired by our friends at Miller Lite. But, John, it is Hall of Fame week, and we got Palmer coming on, but uh, some big uh, news and inductions uh, for the Hall of Fame ceremony this week. Yeah, you know, this is kind of a that, that, that big week for you know Major League Baseball. Yeah, two ex-Blue Jays. Freddie McGriff, the crime dog, and Scotty Rowland, who played for me briefly when the year I got fired. It's funny, I tell Scotty he got me fired all the time, right? <laughs> How did I get you fired? He's going to the Hall of Fame. I said, well, because he got he injured his finger in spring training, couldn't start the year, missed the first month of the season. And, and uh, I said, that was my downfall. You got me fired. You're going to the Hall of Fame. How does that work? So, but anyway, <laughs> two two ex Blue Jays. And then uh, Jimmy Palmer is one of the, 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 the good guys in the game. It, Incredible career, not only on the field, but in the broadcasting booth and a uh, uh, great storyteller. Absolutely. We look forward to bringing him on. But first, let's get right into the leadoff. The Jays come out of the All-Star break uh, at home, and that home cooking is good. Uh, they finish a sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have won uh, eight of the last nine games. They're uh, really only six games out of the AL East uh, number one slot and only five games behind a Baltimore. So they're entrenched right now uh, with a small lead there in the wild card spot. Uh, everyone has been waiting on a run to take place and winning eight of their last nine. Can this be the run we've all been waiting for this season? Yeah, Johnny, I think so. They're playing really good. Uh, you know, and I think the key game, you know, was the that Sunday before the, the All-Star break started. Uh, when Danny Jansen hit that uh, home run with two outs in the ninth, right? You know, they were down. They was pretty, pretty, it was kind of, you know, they've been shut down. And the day before there was that like, combined no hitter against them. And then Danny hits that big home run. They go on to win that game. And then of course, you know, they play at home and one of the better teams in baseball record wise, National League, Arizona comes to town, but Hey, there's nothing like being in the American league, man. They don't like them. And National League teams don't like that American league, man. That's just the way it is, but they're playing really good right now. They're in a great position. Uh, you know, but it doesn't get any easier these next few days, but that's, that's major league baseball. Nothing. No, it's not. Uh, you are listening to the Gibby show presented by Miller light. 
And John, uh, being as hot as it is down there, I'm sure you've been enjoying some Miller Lights as I have been up here in the hot state of Tennessee. Uh, and also another reason to pop one open like there's always, it's always a good time, but Hall of Fame weekend uh, this weekend as well. So I'm sure we'll be partaking. Oh, yeah. And John, it's tough keeping that stuff on ice, man. It's so hot down here that ice doesn't melt, but we find a way. Yes, you do. You can bet on, you can bet on that. Absolutely. Well, the good fortune of the Jays uh, continued uh, uh, without both uh, Kevin Gosman and closer Jordan Romano. Of course, uh, Gosman, left side tightness, day-to-day on him. Uh, Romano had a little bit of a tweak in his back, uh, day-to-day on him. But what um, what's going on right now with the Jays is uh, the starting pitching. I mean, you got five starters, and now with Ryu on his way back, it looks like he'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, from all indications. So that gives you six. And a report came out actually uh, last night, uh, and it's been circulating uh, from Chicago-based MLB analyst Bruce Levine, citing MLB sources that Toronto seems to have strong interest in bringing back right-hander Marcus Stroman. So with all this going on, with or without Stroman being considered to be brought back to the Jays, but with Ryu coming back, there's a glut in their starting six. So what do you think they do? Is there a trade in the works? Uh, Kikuchi, is it, could it possibly go back to uh, or put him in the bullpen? So uh, what's your take on what's going on with the, with the uh, enviable, enviable problem of having six starters by the end of the month, maybe seven? Yeah, yeah, John, I guess you, you always say it's a good problem to have, right? Um, and the, their start rotation has been done a really good job this year, you know, and they weathered the storm uh, with Alec, you know, Manoa. Um, and Ryu's, like, he's, he's, he's close. Now, I think six too many. I don't, I guess they could piggyback guys and split games or however they do. Or, or But, you know, these guys get on routines, but if you, if you stretch them out too long uh, between starts, they lose that feel a little bit. Now there comes this time of year though, where they're begging for an extra day here. But, uh, that, I, it's funny to say, but it's kind of a little bit of a d- dilemma, a good dilemma, I guess you could say. I don't know whether they would trade any of those guys or, and I don't even know if you put any of them in the bullpen because, you know, they make, make a lot of money if you put them in the bullpen. That's just kind of the way the game works. Uh, Stroman would surprise me. Uh, not, he's, he's a good pitcher. He could help him, but you know, he just, I don't think he left on great terms there when he, no. when he left. So that, that kind of shocks me. But there's a lot of things that are thrown out there in the baseball world. That there's, there's, no, there's no backing behind any of it. You know, it's kind of like you just uh, – it's kind of society now. You, know, you just fire anything out there and might catch fire. It may, but there may not be any truth to it at all. But there may be. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on what happens there. But uh, the Jays with their starting staff and everyone's connecting right now. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch what happens the remainder. Hey, their bullpen's been really good. They, they, yes. they have, you know, with Romano being a little bit banged up for the, for the, with his back. You know, those those three games against uh, Arizona too, they weren't like blowouts where they had some breathing room. Really, you know, they they were they were tough games where the bullpen had to pitch really really good, and they did. So, uh, the, the whole pitching staff. Pete Walker and the boys and in, in, in uh, Schneid's doing a great job putting it all, piecing it all together, you know, with the help of Mattingly over there. Uh, yeah, things are, things are going well right now. It's coming together for sure. Well, that'll wrap up the leadoff, and now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. 
Well, Tim's camp day is coming uh, July the 19th when you do buy that hot or iced coffee on camp day. 100% of the proceeds will help send many youngsters to a multi-year life-changing experience. It's a big day. Only on July 19th, buy a Tim's coffee and help change youth's lives. Gibby, I mean, this is a big initiative for Tim's. Yeah, they, they've all, they, you know, they're huge in, in, in the, the communities. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for kids that, that uh, need, need some help. And, and uh, yeah, get out there and buy you a cup of coffee, you know. And, uh, even, if you don't, if you, even if you don't need the jolt, get you a cup of decaf. That's, there you go. Uh, you know, just, just help support it. It's a wonderful cause. It helps the, the, the important things in life, right? We, we talk about baseball. It's the entertainment field. But there's a lot of people out there that need some help in real life. And this, this is for that. And this initiative is life-changing for some of these youngsters. So uh, go out and support it and go to Tim's, get that hot cup of coffee, or as Gibby says, even a decaf, and it all goes. 100% of the proceeds go to the camps. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Three-time Cy Young winner, three-time World Series champion, six-time All-Star starting four of those games, pitched a no-hitter in 1969. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, That was in 1990. Is number 22 is retired by the team he spent his entire career with, including his current role as a color commentator. It's such an honor to welcome Baltimore Orioles lifer Jim Palmer to Gabbing with Gimme. Well, good morning. <laughs> hey, God, you were good, man. When I hear all that. <laughs> I, I played on here. Let's get this straight. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I did my due diligence, kind of like when you were managing, you know, you, you do everything you can, but we all know it's, it's kind of who you play with. And, uh, you know, when I got to the Orioles when I was 19, I, I roomed with Robin Roberts, who now he had 270 wins and I didn't have any. I was 19, he was 38. And he mentored me, and that kind of was my role for the next, what, 19 years that I played with the Euros. You know, I learned early on that I think Robin knew that I would probably eventually take his job because I kind of pitched out of the bullpen when I was 19, the first year I got into the big leagues. But he was kind enough. I used to put him to sleep. You know, we watched Johnny Carson, and, uh, you know, and then he finally about 1 o'clock when, when I had run out of questions, and he never ran out of answers because he was one of the great guys ever. He said, kid, I got to get to sleep. I know you're only 19, but he said, I'm 38. I got to get some rest. <laughs> you know, I'll see you We turn over and go to sleep. But, you know, and I mean, I, the bullpen had uh, Stu Miller, one of the great relief pitchers of all time with a great change up at Harvey Haddock's, um, you know, Dick Hall, who just passed away. You know, he, he could hit a thimble on the outside corner. Eddie Fisher, knuckleball guys. We had Charlie Lau, who went on to be one of the great yeah. hitting instructors. They were, so I had a pretty good step, not to mention the team, you know, you had, Boot Powell, who had, what, 350 home runs, was the MVP in, uh, what, 70 and second and 69. That Brooks Robinson guy over at third with 16 straight gold gloves. And Louis Aparicio, Hall of Famer, you know, he was our shortstop. Frank Robinson came over our second year, hit six, you know, in 66 and uh, won the Triple Crown, hit 49 home runs, two in the World Series. Um, we had really good players. Blair won, Paul Blair won eight gold gloves. Buford was one of the better leadoff guys on left field couldn't catch a cold but he was a great offensive player <laughs> you know he got on you know switch hitting uh, 
guy that could steal some bases and hit, you know, hit 18 to 21 home runs, high on base percentage. Just the type of guy you would like to have leading off for you, John. That's right. That's right. Hey, that's right. It, it helps, Jimmy, when you got a good team. But you as an individual, you win it with pitching. Look at Steve Carlton. What did he win, 20-something games for that Phillies team that won 50? Well, he won so, like 27 out of the 54 or whatever it was. Yeah, so that, so if you were on a bad team, that would have probably been you. But, yeah, if you, to win it all, which you were fortunate enough to do, you got to have surrounding players, but you got to have workhorses on the mound. Well, you know, in 71, I uh, we traded for Pat Dobson from San Diego. And, uh, you know, we had had three 20-game winners in 1970. We uh, ended up beating the Reds in the, the World Series. You know, our first World Series that I was in was 66. Somehow we beat the Dodgers four in a row. The last two games were one nothing, one nothing, And then we lost to the Mets in 69, your team. You know, you were probably rooting for them back then. I know you were because you were a number one draft choice for them. Well, 20, <laughs> gone, gone bad. <laughs> you want to talk about how you were the 24th player picked in the United, in the whole world? Uh, you know, we can get to that at another time. But anyway, so <laughs> we beat the Reds. Um, and then the next year we trade for Pat Dobson and we get four 20 game winners. I was the last guy in Cleveland. They had all won 20. I mean, I had, I think I had the, you know, the lowest ERA and all that, but I had 19 wins and I'm going to, they're going to be three 20 game winners in Palmer who only won 19. And we ended up winning three to nothing that afternoon. I was desperate. I'm telling you, you know, I didn't want to be the only guy, but we had, you know, uh, we had a pitching coach who went on to manage the, uh, the Brewers and the match uh, George Bamberger. Bambi. And he, he used to, on his hat, he put these like four little, you know, four little dashes in a slash. And we said, George, what is that? He said, well, I have a complete game clause. If you guys pitch 50 complete games, I get a $5,000 raise. Well, we pitched 70 or 72. Damn. And he didn't have a raise. He, he was making it up. He just wanted us <laughs> to pitch complete games because, you know, we used to have nine and 10 man staffs, you know, back then. So we had, you know, we had a, a bevy of uh, position players. You know, Davey May, who, you know, led the International League in RBIs. Kurt Moden, who led the the uh, the, the, the International League in, in batting average. We had Terry Crowley with 30 home runs, one yeah. of the great hitters. Merv Rettman, you know, went on to be a great batting instructor. So we had a lot of guys. Chico Simone, who, another guy that couldn't catch a cold, but he could hit. So we had a bunch of guys that, you know, that really could play. And we, and we had great pitching. And Earl Weaver would tell us, hey, there's nobody better out there in the bullpen. So. Don't be looking into the dugout or out in the bullpen because I'm not coming to get you. It's kind of what um, God, who was a guy? He managed the uh, managed the the Blue Jays. Uh, it came out of the Dodgers organization, and, and he was Don Sutton's first pitching coach, and or his manager down in uh, God, I'm trying to not not Bob, not Bobby Cox, but he handed him the baseball, started poking him in the chest. He says, "Don't look into the dugout. Don't be looking in the bullpen." And he po keeps poking. I'll let you know when you're tired. And so. Uh, I don't know wasn't like Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Maddock or one of those guys or Jimmy Williams. Uh, close to that, you know. Okay. But anyway, he said, I didn't know if I was going to have a pitch because my chest hurt. When we skip <laughs> hey, Jimmy, the game is so different now. And it? it is, you know, uh, I got to say, I've been wanting to ask you this anyway. But, you know, you look at, you know, the guy, game kind of changed it, you know, a couple of years ago where they everybody started throwing those, going back to the four-seam fastball, trying to ride it up in the zone. The breaking ball thing. That was your forte. Am I? Yeah. Right? I mean, so they... funny. Um, you remember Jim Spencer, uh, first baseman? Yeah. He's from Baltimore. I mean, you know, he was real, had a really good career. So uh, he had like 285, 286 back to back years for the Rangers. And he's over 32 often. 
I see him on Monday. He says, I'm not swinging at that high fastball. Tuesday, I'd be shagging. He goes, I'm laying off that high fastball. <laughs> I on Wednesday. And um, <laughs> first high fastball, he pop it up or swing through it or whatever. So I kept having over 32. I kept him from hitting 302 straight years. So I'm going for my 20th win in late August down in Texas. And Jim McKean blows up. My car grows out by about you know, a foot first base. He calls him safe. Now I'm into the 12th inning trying to win my 20th game. Damn. And Spencer was a low ball, fastball, low fastball hitter, you know, curveball down and in, anything left-hand hitter, anything down. So I throw him fastball up and away, and he hits a little flare into left field for a base hit. And I look over and I go, do you, do you want the ball? I said, you know, you're now – you could have been doing that the last 10 years. So to your point, yeah, you know, I could make – I could make the ball rise, whether, you know, I was throwing 98 at the beginning of my career or, you know, 89, 90, 91. I mean, I had a curveball slider changeup, came up a little two-seamer. But um, hitters kind of, you know, you were a former catcher. Hitters, I always tell the young pitchers for the Orioles when they talk to me, which is not often. But um, I said, hey, listen, hitters going to tell you what you need to do. Not some guy with an iPad. I mean, it's great to have a game plan. But, you know, you know Rick Dempsey caught 24 years. You know, MVP in the 83 World Series for us. And Denver Rex talking to him a couple of months ago. He said, Do you ever see an iPad make a, an adjustment in the middle inning? And it's a pretty good point. Now, I'm not yeah. saying they're good. You want all the information you can have. You know, David Cohn, he wanted to be the pitching coach with the Yankees. And, you know, he's in a room of, uh, you know, analytical guys. And he said, um, Yeah, listen, I'm all for, I'm all for all the information you can give me. You know, I want to know what the weaknesses and all that, but I also want my guys to have heart. I want them to be able to think. I go, eh, not as yes. important, you know. So, and you probably went through it. I mean, again, listen, analytical guys. I think they help the game. I mean, Michael Elias, who runs the Orioles now, came over from Houston. You know, we, you know, we did play very poorly for a number of years, and we, you know, he did draft really well. He's one of those guys. But think about it: if you're running the organization, or and, and you're kind of into analytics, are you going to tell him you don't like him? <laughs> He'll be gone. Yeah, right. you know, well, it's not that important. You're nor are you. So see you later. <laughs> but you know, hey, it, no, that's not happening. But 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 it comes down to right. You guys, you guys went through those lean years, and you 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 hit on the draft picks, right? Well, that's, I, I mean, Mike's done a great job, I right? Mean, really, no doubt. I mean, we have good players. I mean, well, how did you get Carrera? You know, how did you get Vachette? I mean, you know, how I mean. How did you get some of the guys that are, you know, playing for the Blue Jays? I mean, they just didn't come out of their hat. You, you know, look right. at them. You no, know, I, I think that they're, the Orioles, and, and I'm sure the Jays are very much like this, um, character has a lot to do with it. But, you know, character, you know, even though you do all the scouting in the world, um, you know, if you look at Bowdy Jr., he's a much better player now that he recognized that he needed to make some lifestyle changes. He always could hit, you know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, during the, when he had this, well, one bad, horrible play in the All-Star game, I said, well, you know, on my Twitter account, I said, well, obviously, uh, the, the, you know, defense is not his long suit. And, you know, some guy up in Toronto, you know, you're pretty sensitive up there in Canada. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> what do you old glove? And I said, yeah, you know, Jorge Mateo didn't even get one of, I was going to shortstop, I ever saw play shortstop last year. And I played with Aparicio and Belanger with eight gold gloves and Ripken with five or whatever it was. 
Jorge played. He didn't even. He wasn't even one of the top three. So, and I'm not saying Vlad can't play first base. I saw him yesterday almost make a great play to end the game. Ball just went out of his glove. A great effort. But again, he had to make changes to be the player he is, and that's kind of what the big leagues you you go get the right guys that you think will do that if you have to make the adjustments, and then uh, you know you kind of you know, roll the dice. Yeah, that's it, Johnny. What do you got for Big Jim here? Oh, man, there was so much I'd love to talk to Jim about. But I really want to start because you mentioned Earl Weaver uh, earlier. And uh, uh, Gibby has a little bit of a similarity where he was ejected so many times and was a very fiery manager in the dugout. Well, hold on. Hold on. Uh, hey, 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 Weaver was a showman. I was just an angry guy. That's all. You were just angry. <laughs> and, and, we, and Weaver, that was kind of a showman. I mean, like a like no, was predetermined. Was Oh, but I, I'd love to. I'd love to hear some of your best uh, Weaver stories from from back in the day. Well, he, first of all, he won. You know, it's yes. funny. Um, I, I don't know what they you know did in the Blue Jay locker room, but when you day you pitched, there'd be a ball in your your shoe. That meant you were the starting pitcher that day. Now he did it. You know, I I got there in '65. Um, we had Hank Brower as our manager. We win the World Series. Uh, I hurt my shoulder. I don't really know at 22 if I'm ever going to pitch again, but I come back in 69 and Earl had taken over at the all-star break in 68. So what did he do? He took John, John Buford, our second baseman and made him a left fielder. Same guy that made Cal a shortstop because he wanted Cal's bat. Cal came up, Cal Ripken Jr. came up as the third baseman. Um, you know, Earl used to, um, when we be, when the DH came into place in 73, he would start the game with Royal Stillman, our right fielder, listed as shortstop leading off. So in other words, he started the game with a pinch hit and they changed the rules. You had to take, you know, now you, if a, if a guy has to assume a defensive position, if he leads, if he hits in the first inning, but Earl, they changed the rule because Earl was smart. <clears throat> he was annoying. He never shook your hand. He, I used to, <laughs> I used to listen to what he said the three days I, you know, I, we pitched every fourth day back then there. So I'd listen to what he was saying when I, when, when I wasn't on the mound. And then when I could look over and he'd have his foot in the top, that, that, that kind of tapping his foot, like he's going to come get you. And you're saying, come on out here. Cause I'm going to tell you, you're short. I asked him once for <laughs> illustrate or sporting. He said, what was that picture? You guys were really having a great time. I said, yeah, it was Oakland. And we were sitting in the dugout and I said, what's it feel like to be short? Cause I wrote a book to get, to get, together. We were 11, nine. 11 foot nine. And uh, it was during the strike in 94. I was six, three, he was five, six. So, you know, together we were 11, nine. It's a pretty funny book because it's Earl Weaver stories. Um, but he, we had great players. He knew how to use them. Uh, you know, he started doing the, the three by five Weaver cards, which were kind of analytics before. I mean, they weren't in depth like the ones now with spin rate and, and all that, but he, you know, he, he looked at the radar gun, didn't care if your velocity went down, if you could make pitches, but if you couldn't, See you later. Um, you know, he'd come out, you know, we're going to bring in Tiffy Martinez, who was a great left-handed hitter, to, uh, pitcher to face uh, Nettles. And he said, well, you know, I'm taking him out because he's two for 23. And I said, well, actually, he's two for two. <clears throat> he beat us with a single when Tiffy was not tired over second base because he looked for that curveball and hit it the other way. And he beat us in the upper deck in, 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 in New York in the 11th inning because he, you weren't watching, but his curveball was like a meandering stream because he had pitched <laughs> So I said, so which numbers do you want to go? I have no problem because it's, you know, I have a four to one lead with two outs in the ninth inning. So you can take me out, but you don't, don't be giving me these false numbers because of those. <laughs> little. So we, so we had that kind of relationship, but 
you know, he got in the Hall of Fame. I got in the Hall of Fame. And if you think about it, um, and John, you went through this. Every time you made out a lineup, I mean, I, you know, I, and Earl made out his lineups. He doesn't, didn't have the front office telling him who to play. He trusted the people he put in that lineup. And, he, you know, he went from 69 to maybe 80. He managed through 82 with only one-year deals. And this is a guy that's oh. winning five to 109 games a year. So there was pressure. So when he, you got to play for him, and you, and you could call him every name in the book, and if he thought you were going to be the right guy to help win the next day, you were back in the lineup because I saw that. You know, so you know he was he was Earl Weaver, and, and yeah, but he would lose control. You know, like when he out went out with um, what Bill Haller, uh, brother Tom, played for the Tigers, and um, you know, uh, so he thought Bill was, you know, prejudiced and all that, and he says, "Where are you going to be when I get in the uh, Hall of Fame?" It's on tape. Channel Nine from Washington was filming. He goes, "What for?" I can't tell you the language. Messing up the world, the nineteen seventy nine World Series, <laughs> and then he threw him out. So, and I, I mean, I saw him do stuff I never saw on Broadway. I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I was reading your bio because it's been a while since we saw each other, and I knew you. You know, I, I, my question to you, of course, is: you, you had really two years where you played in the big leagues. One year you hit 064, and the next year you hit four seventy four. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the World Championship '86 match. I led the team. Yeah, in well, can you kind of explain to all your listeners how that happened? <clears throat> well, um, maybe you maybe your old, maybe you got to get on your old your old teammate Davey Johnson for not playing me more. I might have hit 500. I've been like that a Riz kid down there in Miami. Oh, you know, I saw just the Orioles just played him. That kid's like Carew. He yeah. got the magic wand. Yeah, he yeah he's a uh, yeah, it's kind of like he. There used to be a lot of good hitters like that, you know. Not, not a lot, but you know, the a lot of hitters that that's type of hitter. Now they're so rare in the game. It's like God, this guy really jumps out at you. You mean the guys that hit the ball where it's pitch? Yeah, yeah. Carrero, or, you know, Carrero, he, you know, we we handled him pretty well. In fact, if the Blue Jays are going to play them, they're going to have to start beating some teams in the East. You know, I know they won eight out of nine. They were yeah. one eight oh and all that kind of stuff. But they're what seven and twenty against the American League East now, and it's not like last year. Um, we played them pretty well. I mean, they they won ninety two games. The Orioles won from fifty two to eighty three wins. But this year, the Jays are like one and five against uh, the Orioles. <clears throat> A lot of close games, but zero seven against the Red Sox. Yeah, so well, that, last year they were like sixteen and two against the Red Sox or something. I, yeah, well, they played nineteen times. So let's we'll throw in another. another okay, yeah, give them another win. Oh, what's, <laughs> what's another win? To my point, you, you don't get you don't get uh, every game you play against your divisional team is more important because you play them less times. You know, yeah. I mean, and obviously you're going to beat them sixteen. You're going to go sixteen and three out of nineteen games. You've had a good year, but now you better. You know, so when the Jays play the Orioles, the Jays play the Red Sox because they probably would have six left. Same with the Yankees and all that. You're that's the only that's the way to make up ground. That yeah. and keep playing. Hey, though, Jimmy. Nowadays with the wild card, all you got to do is get in. I mean, they're, they're they're too good not to get. You know, that's a, that's the bottom line, right? Yeah, you'd well, like to be you'd like to win it all, no doubt. You know, win your division, but I mean, it's not like when you were playing, man. If you if, you know, you you could a lot of the teams were out of it by now. Right? Well, we shot. won a hundred. We won a hundred games and didn't. We went all. Is that right? And eighty Yankees won one hundred and three. You know, and we, yeah, and so, but that's the way it was back then. So, 
Yeah, it's good. The wild card's great for the game. There's no doubt. But well, it's, it's, it's like all the way through the season. Yeah, but I think I mean, who, whoever wins that AL Central is actually going to win their division. That's kind of pathetic. Maybe oh, they'll change yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing to the game, isn't it? Both Central well, divisions are terrible. Uh, actually, they are. Well, Cincinnati, yeah. Cincinnati's playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, but you, I'm t- I'm telling, yeah, and they're well, they're on the upswing. But I'm just saying, you know, yeah. there it's. You know, maybe maybe there is something to those small markets in the Midwest or the middle of the country or something. You know, they need more money to have better teams. I don't know. Well, hey, the Orioles, the um, their their payroll is sixty million dollars. We're out in San Francisco. <clears throat> Excuse me. I meet so we we win two out of three. Uh, their payroll is one hundred eighty four million. So Larry Bear is one of their owners, and John Miller, who used to work with the Orioles does their radio and TV. He comes over. We're waiting for the bus because it's a Sunday afternoon. And Larry Barrett, I never met him. Nice guy. I mean, it was, it was like your bet. You know, I mean, you probably met owners, you know, Jim Crane in the Houston. He'll, he'll be on the field. He'll come into the, into the booth to say hello, blah, blah, blah. Maybe because of, you know, who I used to be. But anyway, you get to meet him. So Larry Barrett comes in. And um, so we're talking. I mean, nice guys. Like I knew the guy for like the last 20 years. And I said, by the way, I said, it took out, a you know, Jim Palmer. Uh, Hall of Fame card, and I said, "Here, if you want to know how a team with a sixty million dollar payroll beats the team with one hundred eighty four million, he says, you know, my owners have been telling me exactly the same, asking the same question. <laughs> how do the Orioles do that? And to be honest, you know, they had a bunch of good young players. They have some veterans. You know, they they lost Mullins for almost a month. They lost Mountcastle with Vertigo for almost a month. Mullins hurt himself again. Hopefully, he's not out too much yet." They still they're, they're 22 games over 500. They they were four last year. They went for 52 to 83 wins. Oh yeah, so, yeah. But hey, sooner or later those salaries go up. Well, of so course. That, yeah, the only one get, that, and then they get traded. Yeah, know? exactly. Unless t- Tampa I, I, somehow does it, but yeah, on a small market team, right? You know, yeah, I think no, in a perfect right. world, if I mean, imagine you're an Oriole fan, you're a Blue Jay fan. Oh, and this is going to come up with the Blue Jays. So you invest yourself in watching the Jays or the Orioles. And, you know, you, you, you see Bo Bichette, who's having a heck of a year, you know, and over 300 with, what, 15 home runs, a lot of RBIs. It's well with runners in scoring positions. You know, glad, you know, home run champion, blah, blah, blah. You know, made himself into, you know, a gold glove first baseman. How I don't know, but he he won it, so he can't. You know, they're not going to go to his house and take it away. So, you know what he's improved. <laughs> but in a perfect world, wouldn't you get to see him play for the majority of his career? Isn't that what you'd like to see if you were the commissioner yes. of it, to try to create an environment or a a world where that could happen? Except that you know, <clears throat> if you can't sign the guy or he won't extend himself. I mean, look at Acuna Junior. Somehow they got him to sign a what a hundred million dollar deal yeah. for years. Not a lot of players would do that nowadays because they look around and you see some of the contracts. You know, I mean, look at Bogarts. You know, Bogarts. He, you know, he got a what six year deal for twenty million. So he's there last year, and I said to Dan Shaughnessy, who writes for the Globe, who's in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, I said, it's "So simple. You gave Story twenty seven million. I said, give him a give him. You know, take his next." three years, bump them to 30, give them another three-year deal. You'll have them. Nobody else will. Do they do that? No. So he goes to Padres for 12 years, 280 million. And I just hope I live long enough to see him 
finish his career. That's how long some of these contracts are. Hey, let me ask you, because you play with the Orioles your whole career, right? If if let's say, is there one team out there that if you hadn't been with the Orioles forever, you would have that would have been your choice where to play? Is there a team out there? Well, at the end of my career, you know, we, we won the World Series in 83. I had hurt my back early and pitched. You know, I came back and uh, end up winning a World Series game, you know, on my 38th birthday. Maybe the only guy to win a World Series game in three different decades. You did, but it yeah. Paul went through the, uh, Yvonne uh, Diaz, Diazuz's legs. And, I, you know, I, I, somehow I pitched two scoreless innings, probably the bottom of the lineup. And then you know, Mike Smith said, I never knew – how much a 90-mile-per-hour uh, fastball could have lift to it. And I said, well, thank you. But So I got out of there, and the next year, we go to spring training. I'd, I'd gone for a ball in the World Series, actually, and, and Bodea hit a high chopper, and the back of the mound was loose because they had put it in they, because we were up at Veterans Stadium or whatever they call it, the old stadium in, yep. in, in Philly. And I ends up, I guess I you know, hurt the cartilage of my knee, but they didn't have MRIs back then. So I'm playing basketball, racquetball. My knee would puff up. Go to spring training, have a good spring, and the 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 Tigers start out 35-5. The <clears throat> season's over. <laughs> yeah. We're out. Of so they go, well, we're going to go young. You know, do you want to go in the IL? And I said, no, I want to see if any. You know, I'll, so the only team I would have gone to was the Angels. The Sensei okay. was out was out there, but Hank Peters called John Macklem McNamara, and and I. I think Gene Mock was the GM, actually. I told him, I said, I'll come out and pay my own way, show you that I can still pitch. Just give me a chance. And uh, But Hank Peters, our general manager, I don't think he wanted me to go somewhere anywhere else. He yeah. rather just me, and he's, he called him and said I couldn't pitch. So they said no, and I retired. You know, I, my girls were 13 and 15. I've been away most of their lives. You know, not there when you want to be. So then I had a, you know, four-year deal with ABC, so I became a broadcaster. I became the perfect guy up in the bullpen or up in the broadcasting booth that never, never has to take responsibility for anything. Hey, hey well, speaking <laughs> so, of that. You know, now, if you listen, you can get your one. You're always a couple of words away from getting fired. Canceled. <laughs> so simple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I hear you. Well, hey, hey, you went to the right, right to the top, though, too, in broadcasting, working with uh, Cosell and those guys. How, well, how was know, Howard, man? They told me, uh, watch the 78 playoff game. If the Yankees win, Reggie will play. Otherwise, he'll you know broadcast. And that's the Bucky Dent home run game, you know, where Torres pitches against Gidry, and it's, what, 2 nothing uh, Red Sox, and then Bucky gets the three-run yeah. home run. 4-2, 5-2, 5-3, 5-4. Gossage comes in, gets Rice and Yaz out, and I go to Kansas City to work with Alec Cosell. Speaking of sports. So <laughs> he comes in from Monday night to Monday night football in Dallas, and, uh, you know, after the meeting, you know, and I'm, he, we're walking through Alameda Plaza and his wife, Emmy, was the, certainly the best part of, of that duo. You know, she was really <laughs> Howard. Howard was Howard. I worked with him for nine years. So um, we're walking through Cal Alameda Plaza in Kansas City, you know, the, which is right down from where the hotel we were staying. And he goes, Jimbo, are you nervous? And I said, well, Howard, I've never done this before. He said, well, just remember one thing, young man, everybody that ever worked with me became a star. And I said, geez, how are you? you know, and now I'm also working with Keith Jackson. So we, we know we have a production meeting and he goes, well, you'll know by the third or fourth inning, whether you have it or you don't. So I'm in yeah. the third or 
spinning, and I don't know if I have it or I don't. So anyway, I would work with Coach Dell, and he would make me come up to his room and watch the National League, um, you know, playoffs and tell me that Drysdale had diarrhea of the mouth or this or that, whatever. Um, it was it was never dull working with Cosell. He knew nothing about baseball. We used to have um, – remember the baseball analysts, the, the Hurt Brothers – uh, they did it was, you know, it was the, the Elias uh, sports group. They're, they're yeah, the okay. Okay. Panel. They used to do a little booklet. It was, you know, converse verbal and statistical analysis. And they do it every year. It would come out. So uh, Steve Hurt did our, uh, all our notes and kind of our graphics for ABC, same with Monday Night Football. And he would write up two or three page, you know, thing about tendencies, say we were, you know, playing the Jays or whatever. And, and so we used to call it the script because that's what Howard, he would, you know, he'd be reading the script. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's see, in the third inning, yeah, whatever. And he would, so we'd always say, Steve, did he get the script? Because we always knew what he was going to say because he only had a very limited. <laughs> and then if we were playing the Yankees, he'd go in and uh, Al Rosen was a great player, but he's also the general manager. He'd go in and have a couple of vodka. So he was well on his way to having a good time. He drank a whole bottle of vodka in the playoffs in uh, 70. Not 78. It was later on when I was working with Al Michaels in Kansas City. Yeah. 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 That's a, oh, almost, man. Almost, well, almost the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and then he had a confrontation with Al, who's one of the great broadcasters of all time on the air. And, you know, to that, Alfalfa, when are you ever going to take a stance on anything? And Al says, I'll oh. take a stance. <laughs> and then we went to commercial, and I'm going, God, is this really happening? You know, it was, it, yeah. But he was, you know, the last thing, you know, he wrote the book, I never, ever, uh, I never ever played the game. In other words, he never played the game of, of being anybody but himself. You know, what a bunch of crap that was. But anyway, uh, I used to, say, what did he say? I used to uh, subjugate myself for the good of the broadcast. And, you know, I was like on page 179 and Al, Al's throwing up on that page. But we had to work with him. And, you know, so we go to his last game is for one year, ABC got to do um, uh, probably 86. We got to do Sunday baseball, but it wasn't ex exclusive like Monday Night Baseball. Because when we did Monday Night Baseball, there were no other games on. That was part of the, the contract. So we're Sunday and everybody else's local broadcast. We're, you know, so we're ratings are uh, abysmal. And he, he carries the button on his on his on his ABC blazer, and I get a phone call about nine o'clock. Jimbo, can you come up? And so the button on my blazer. So my last goodwill gesture for Howard Cosell was sewing a button on his blazer in Minnesota, doing uh, Kansas City Minnesota <laughs> a Sunday afternoon game with a point five rating. <laughs> that was it. That is beautiful, man. Hey, but think, hey, hey, you. You look at the teams you played with, the, the legendary players, and then you go in the broadcast booth, the legends you worked with. I tell you what, there's nobody out there who's had a better career in her life in the, in the uh, sports world. Not many. I bet. I mean, I did a Little League World Series. I did it with Kirk Gowdy. I did it with um, uh, Brent Musburger. I did it with Al Troutwick. I did it, I did it with uh, Gary Thorne. I mean, you know, Gary Thorning. was 15 years till the Orioles let him go. And, um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, Mr. Hockey, every time we go into a booth, oh, yeah. this would go, when are you going to come back and do hockey? You know, Gary, I mean, we could, well, you know, I, I I did 14 straight losing years for the Orioles. Now, Gary, you know, I did it with Michael Regai, you know, who 
worked our games and did the Cavaliers, who was a great NBA announcer. So, you know, I've got a chance to work with, you know, a lot of, you know, guys, whether it was Al Michaels or, you know, or Keith or Howard or whatever. But, um, you know, all this, I mean, you know, when they asked me to do it, I said, okay, I'm going to be playing golf, watching it on my couch, or do I want to actually, I didn't know that it was going to be a profession. You know, I started doing it in 1978, and here I am at age 77 still doing it. So um, if I could still, who am I doing this podcast with? If I could still remember where I am, or who I'm, <laughs> I think I'm all right. You know? I mean, and that's, you know, but uh, I sat with a guy that did learning seminars, and I went probably about nine years ago, and I said, so if I stop broadcasting, how long for my brain to turn into a melody? He said, I give you about a year and a half. That's all I had. To do. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't believe, well, I can't believe you're like not, not the next Tony Robbins or something. But no, I, I went to his, he, he, a friend of mine, my, my agent actually is, is on his fire team because they make you walk across at two o'clock yeah. and we're down to Miami and two o'clock in the morning. I want to go to sleep. Maybe it's 10 or two. And he, you have to walk across the coals and <laughs> He, you know, he, before you go out there, you're out in some parking lot barefooted and I'm going, I'm going to walk on, I, 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 I have no problem walking on this fire, but I'm probably going to walk on some glass and cut my feet. But anyway, uh, what's it? Cool, cool, cool breeze, cool breeze. You're supposed to say cool breeze, cool breeze before you walk across. Now I don't chant John, you know, I, I'm not a chanter and, and everybody's in the parking lot, you know, they got some lights, but it's, dark and they got the coals you know and there's a bunch of people two couple hundred people and i just want to go to sleep so you know cool breeze cool breeze so i'm not saying it. she says well i don't know if you're ready and i said i am ready because it's about <laughs> coals you know i mean do you want to be medium rare do you want to be medium do you want to be well done i am gonna haul ass across this thing so i walk across it and they got a hose thing and you know so the next day they had the morning session and uh, I go up to have lunch with my friend who's on the fire team and, you know, I come down early. I see these guys with their shoes off. <laughs> blistered up. <laughs> their feet are blistered up. I said, you guys all right? Yeah, we had to go to Miami Beach. Uh, we had to go to Miami Beach uh, Hospital emergency room in the middle of the night because we toasted our feet. I go, okay, good luck. You know? Oh. Wasn't so Tony, and, but all he would do is, you know, he would hit his chest and he's a big guy, big hand, oh, big, okay. big guy. And he would hit his chest, set it or something. Seven yourself. If I did that to my chest as often as he did that weekend, I would have had to go to the emergency room. I did. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people. I, listen, I'm all for motivation. If if somebody can get you off the couch, in, or you know, when I try to make that comeback when I was 45, yeah, everybody's going, "Oh, he's having a midlife crisis." And I go, "How would you know? You never done what I did, or you never, you know, or I had a chance to do." So people should take chances. I don't mean, you know ones that aren't calculated but hey yeah you know, like you, live you know you said earlier i mean pitching when i tried to make the comeback what in 1990 i guess 91 in the hall of fame nobody had ever come back and pitched so that was a challenge certainly um hadn't pitched in seven years so getting the get, getting the calluses back was the hardest thing um and then i hurt my hamstring so you know i pitched a couple innings with a torn hamstring and actually did okay considering i couldn't push off the rubber but you know what it was a great experience because i kind of kind of got back and i think the one thing you'd never want to forget baseball on tv looks pretty easy because the, yes. the games you know, as as do a lot of sports you know when a guy's dunking the ball i mean did it does it show all the work you had to do to be able to get foot over the rim you know or or whatever so the baseball slows you know tv slows down baseball and then once you 
go play or sit in the dugout or even in the first row at a ball, you, the game's pretty fast. You, I mean, you oh, know, yeah. I, mean, I got all these, you know, I mean, everybody says the game speeds up. Does the game speed up for managers? Oh yeah. Yeah. For, for, especially for us ones that are ADHD. Definitely. What ADHD? <laughs> ADHD. <laughs> oh, oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> why you got thrown out so much. Oh yeah. Or maybe I was I wasn't prepared, so I better get out of here before this game gets in the late inning, so I don't have to oh, hang around. Well, yeah, he had a manager. Everybody would say, "Oh no, he's going to have to manage again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, who was it, Buddy Bill? When when he's managing those years in Kansas City, didn't he say, "Yeah, uh, for once, I want to." I want to manage a team that I don't have to coach much, or I don't have to, man- you know, one of those two. I don't have to instruct. You mean a push, a push button manager? I don't oh know. yeah. Even though you know, when I when I hurt my shoulder, I worked out with the Dodgers, and Walter Alston, great manager, played managed for the Dodgers for what twenty eight years. I mean, forever. Yeah. And um, Red Phillips did all the stuff. I never saw Walter. I was there ten days. You know, he would. You know, I guess they do the work ahead of time and everybody else and then Walter would come out at you know whatever 720 and the Dodgers you know with Drysdale and Koufax and Sutton and Osteen and Tommy Davis and Warren Maury Wells and West Park <laughs> go do the thing you know I mean, yeah then, you know. Hey, I heard the same thing about Billy Martin you might not see him till game time well that, I, that I don't know I, I, I was up in Minnesota last weekend and you know a guy that got in the Hall of Fame last year which I was so happy it was Tony Oliva we used to have yeah. a little song, Tell leave us, so leave us alone. You know, that's what Wally Bunker, who was rookie pitcher of the year with 19 wins, when I got to, the, he was eight, a year ahead of me. So I said to Mel Pappas, who won over 200 games, I said, how do you pitch a leave? He said, right down the middle. I said, what? He said, yeah, he hits everything. Just throw it down the middle and hope. Hope he hits it at somebody. And, you know, he got in the Hall of Fame. But I was sitting with him the other day, and he said, you know, I managed down in Mexico for in Colombia and a lot of places. He said, best manager I ever had was Billy Martin. Lou Pinella told me the best manager. I said, who taught you to manage? You know, and Lou had some success with what beat the, yes. beat the, the A's in, uh, in 1990 with the, uh, with the Reds. He goes, Billy Martin. He told me a good manager has to see everything. Cause otherwise things don't get t- taken care of. Now yeah. I don't know if you, you know, agree with that or not. I, mean, I think I would because. Well, well, oh, it makes perfect sense to me, but I'm no Billy Martin, so uh, maybe I missed a few things. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, at this point, he, he just thought that he had. Um, uh, yeah, he he just said you just you know you you have to see the cutoffs. You have to, and and then yeah. you know I think the other part of it is pitching is you know when you're I don't care how good or bad you are, you have to sequence your pitches. So you have to be able to think ahead. I mean, you know, it's not like you just say, well, I'm going to make this pitch and the guy's going to, you know, hit it to my shortstop or he's going to pop up or whatever. It just doesn't happen that way. You know, what if you break right. the guy and he loops one in the right field? Now what? You know, yeah, saying, exactly. You got a lefty, you know, the game has changed. I mean, I think these rules, the new rules are fabulous because games are getting over quicker. Um, you know, I mean, I still like the ghost runner. I know it's, you know, it doesn't have, it's not oh. going to well, it's little league. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know why we did sixteen straight one one. The Orioles won last time they went wire to wire was ninety four with Buck, uh, not ninety four, uh, two thousand fourteen when when Buck Showalter they won sixteen straight extra inning games, sixteen straight. But I had Damn. the broadcast. 
<laughs> That's the way you, know, you like. You want to in any game with, in, in, in Seattle? They got the first guy on for like six straight. So I kind of like the ghost, but I, I like the non shifts because you get back to traditional baseball. Yeah. Because if you were a left-handed hitter in my day and, and you couldn't pull a ball into the hole with a runner on first, you didn't. You weren't Yeah, you know. I mean, it's like having a second place, you know, number two hitter when you had a good leadoff guy, and you know. It, Maybe the guy he's not Ricky Henderson, so he's not going to steal 130 bases. But you want him. You want a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter to hit the ball in the right field, get first and third. You don't have to get a base hit with a you know whatever. But see, part of learning how to pitch is when you get a chance to pitch a lot. You know, when in the minor leagues, you realize your second baseman with a runner at first is usually going to come in and over because he's worried about more worried about the double play than what you're worried about, which is the ball is going to go to his left into right field. The runners go to third base. It's, you know, contrary to what they're doing now where they're playing the infield in, in this third and fourth inning, because the analytical people tell you that it cuts off runs until you you give up the run single. Exactly. (laughs) And and they probably bringing them in now up by more than one run too. Oh no. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So the game, but you know, I always, so I always turn around and look at my second baseman. I said, Hey, get one. Don't let the ball get. And, you know, it's just a little nuance that over a course of 19 years, if you want to have, because see, when I got to the Orioles, John, we had a guy, Steve Barber. He was a left-handed pitcher, first 20 game winner for the Orioles. You know, sinker, baller, slider guy, but the only, he was like Dean Chance, who was a right-handed guy, pitched 12 shutouts, won the Cy Young. And he had come out of our organization too with the Angels. And, um, they couldn't do anything but pitch. You know, I mean, they. but he told me, he said, you know, if I give up two runs, he says, I'm probably going to win three, four, I know I'm probably going to lose. And that was the Orioles in, you know, in the mid-60s, right. even though it's okay. a good team. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to go through my whole career and not give it over three runs. Now, you can do that when you play in good teams and you have a manager that's going to let you pitch and – you know, everybody said that you like the DH. I said, I, I got seven game winning hits the last year before the DH. And then we went, now I'm facing, you did? you know, I'm facing Pat Kelly hitting 490. And we got Tommy Davis in 38 degree temperature. I said, I don't like this, but I got, yeah. the pitch. I, I got more losses, but I also got the pitch complete game. Never got pinch hit for it. And back then they actually paid you for wins. And that's how I was able to win 20 games as often as I was. Well, hey, well, the, you know, the, the big argument now that wins don't matter. Yeah. Okay. Back, but that, but but when you're in, when the game was at its best, starters were throwing complete games. They were going late into the game, so there's you didn't have three or four other guys come in to screw it up for you. Well, you, you know, know John, I, mean? I understand what the analytical people, the baseball people, are trying to do. They look at a guy, and you know, I I mean, if you know, I have my cell phone here, I could go and stat pass right now, and I can look out, you know, what the guy gets, you know, first time through the lineup, second time through the lineup, third time through the lineup. So usually the third time goes up, not with good pitchers, but usually with. Right. So what they do is they say, well, we got a guy out in the bullpen. We'll bring him in. He'll be better the third time through the order, fourth, especially the fourth time through the order than the guy that started. But my question is, if you only get to throw 100 pitches, because that seems, you know, maybe 105, every once in a while, go throw 115 and they're going to go, well, everybody's going to lose their job. They let him throw 100 you know, 115 pitches. Oh my God. Oh God. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, well, so 
because um, I threw 169 in the first playoff game, 171 in the next World Series game. And I, we were down three games to two, and I gave up a run the first and the third, shut them out for the next seven. And we won in the 10th. I probably threw another 170 pitches and then went to Japan and pitched six of the 18 games we pitched over there. So, so I know you <laughs> do more, but my question is why? Why can't a pitcher get a guy out more than twice? We got I mean, him. Wait, you're pitching every fifth day. You throw harder, but not that that means anything, you know, but apparently they think it does. Why can't you get a guy out three times? Something's wrong with the system. Oh, yeah. you mean because maybe you showed everything you had the first time? Because you knew you were only going to pitch, you know, twice through the lineup, maybe two and a half times through the lineup. The game is a little bit out of kilter. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah, but like you said, you go, even when I – I mean, you know, I mean, it is, you know, I mean, our, our guys, you know, the Orioles, the young pitching staff, now the biggest concern for the Orioles this year, the innings, you know, other than Cole Irvin and maybe Kyle Gibson, who's a veteran at 35, these guys have never pitched as much as they're going to have to pitch. So we'll see how, when they get into August and, you know, when they get into September, you know, how the stuff holds up. Uh, But got a guy, Kyle Bradish, we got in the Bundy trade. He's, He'd be the guy that I would start in the playoffs right now. He's been that good. Dean Kramer's already won two more games. He can. He's been terrific. You know, struggled early, but it's been great lately. You know, Gibson gives him a quality start most of the time. This Tyler Wells we got is a Rule Five guy. You know, six eight guy. You know, he ninety five out of the bullpen when he was his first year in the big leagues. Now he's ninety three and he's got the lowest whip walks and hits per inning. So they have some good young pitchers, and they're bringing up Grayson Rodriguez who's our number one, you know, kind of a Nate Pearson guy. Did, were you yeah, there when Nate was? Who was that? No. Year? Yeah. I mean, so at five and one now, you know, we got a yeah. guy, Mike Alman, who's six and oh, who was a former starter now coming in, throwing 95 to 99 out of the bullpen. So, um, you know, the Orioles, we'll, we'll see. But as you know, it's a long way to the barn. You got to play. It's a marathon. You got to play all 160. Oh, yeah. you know? Hey, well, real quick, though, Jimmy, on, on the, the innings pitch things, because Alec Manoa, right? He's- Second or third in the Cy Young. Huh? He threw a lot of innings compared to the way he did before. Well, yeah, because I, I think he had over like a hundred inning bump from the year before in his in his rookie year or his minor. He went from 111 to 196 and two thirds. See, okay. I did a little homework here. Damn you, yeah, I guess, man. Well, now, do you think that's what that's been a part of his what's affected him this year? I mean, have you, well, have you seen him or a lot of things? I, I always. I was taught don't to wear your emotions on your sleeves. He's a guy that kind of, he's emotional. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing wrong. Dennis Eckersley was emotional. <clears throat> I will tell you, I don't know who that guy was out on the mound, you know, when, when he pitched, you know, pointing at guys and all that. I mean, all the way to, you know, the Hall of Fame with what, 390 saves and 190 wins as a starter. Yeah, like, unbelievable. Way, yeah, you know, that's the way he pitched. And um, maybe. You know, I mean, that's a lot more innings. And, they, you know, also the, the, the Jays went to the, the, the playoffs last year. But he was terrific. I mean, his command was really good. But just imagine, you you know, you, you lose just a, a little extra, you know, or you lose just your command. I mean, you look at, you know, you so you can look at spin rates. You can look at um, – you can look at a lot of stuff. But, again, the hitters tell you, you know, what adjustments you have yeah. to make. And, uh, you know, for him, I mean – I always thought he was maybe a little bit too cocky, but then maybe that's what drove him. Made him I mean, dick, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do any 
I did some day games in, in Baltimore last year, but I didn't, I want to meet Matt Harvey, who, you know, my, my stepson has autism and that's uh, an autistic kid. that's always on Twitter and all that. He's keeps yeah. telling me by coming to Toronto. So um, I'm going to have to come up there next year, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I wish him well. I want, I, you know, I, I admire any young pitcher that comes up and wins what 16 games last year and pitches as well as he did. But as you know, as a manager, <clears throat> You know, I mean, I used to have breakfast with Gene Mock, and I used to always say, Gene, I said, everybody said that you were, you know, you always had your finger on the pulse. And he goes, well, Jimmy, he said, you know, I had a second baseman that was going to the beach. You know, I had a, a third baseman that was doing real estate and golf courses. I had my right fielder, Nabisco, you know, Reggie doing this and that and whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and he said, I'm the only guy if we lost or won on Tuesday night, it went home thinking about what we were going to do on Wednesday. And I learned early on in, in, in baseball because I played on good teams is, you know, you, you, you win 109 games, you go to spring training, you're all and up. You win 20 games. You know, I was fortunate enough to do it. What? Eight out of nine years. Every year I started, I was zero and up. So you got a bad game, you know, and you might've had a two Oh nine ERA or two fifteen ERA or two and a half, whatever it was. They take it away. And that's the challenging thing for me. Yeah. And it's the same with broadcasting. You know, do you, do you want to show up? I mean, when I work with Gary Thorne, he said, do you want to get A's? Do you want to get B's? Do you want to get C's? Do you want to be average? Do you want to be good? So, you know, so whether you're broadcasting or playing or managing, you, you need to be prepared. And, um, you know, and I, you know, again, Robin Roberts, when I'm 19, kind of taught me kind of the, the, the rules and regulations of, he, the, Robin was so good he could pitch a twelve hit shutout. Now you figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, huh? you're with a guy that has two hundred seventy wins on his way to two hundred eighty six wins, and he he gets what six hundred and five major league starts and has three hundred and seven complete games. Because we went to the bat dinner once, and I'm walking. We they dropped us off about a half a block from where we had to go. So I'm with Marichal, Gibson, and Robin, and myself, yeah. and. I said, Robin, you know, I never asked you when we roomed together because I was too young at 19. How'd you win 23, 24, 25 games every year? He said, well, I pitch on Sunday and I pitch out of the bullpen on Tuesday. And then I'd start on Thursday. All for $32,000 a year. There you go. <laughs> what do you like that company, John? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, man. Times time have changed. But, uh, John, you got anything left for Jimmy here before we... Yeah, I got one. I mean, I got to go back. I mean, I'm a lifelong New York Mets fan. I mean, that's how I met Gibby back in the early 80s. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be at the 1969 World Series at Shea Stadium. And, uh, you know, I don't have a lot to uh, boast about when it comes to the history of the New York Mets. But 69 is and 86 are, you know, two of the highlights. Um, The Mets kind of shocked the world. The Orioles were just kind of uh they were picked to beat the mets uh, it was kind of a miracle uh, i'd like to just ask you about your memories of 69 and going into that world series and and just any recollection you could give us and did the o's uh uh kind of underestimate the mets and that miracle power of 69 you mean uh, did we ever how would any team ever underestimate seaver and kuzman you know, Gary Gentry pitched the game of his life, game three. I pitched against him, and, you know, we got beat, I think, five-nothing. But um, 
to kind of preface the story, we played the Twins uh, in the playoffs. Now, we went 109 games. I don't know. They probably won in the upper 90s. You know, I had a nice team with, you know, Kaliva and Kilbrew and Bob Allison and, you know, Jim Cott, Mudcat Grant. Um, we're down three to two, and Boog Powell hits a home run with two outs in the ninth to tie it three to three. We win in the 12th on a two-out bunt by Paul Blair with Mark Belanger at third. The next day, 12 innings, one nothing. McNally beats Dave Boswell. Complete games. Kind of yeah. tells you what it was back then. And I get the laugher up in Minnesota. We went 10 to 2. So we weren't complacent. We knew, you know, we we knew how you can play anybody. And, and the twins were good. We knew them. We didn't really know the Mets. You know, we beat Seaver in game one. Um, we hit line drives all over the ball club, but Kuzman doesn't walk people, gets keys out. We lose two to one, I think, in game two. I get shut out in three game three. The only home run I ever threw uh, to a leadoff batter in, in my career, other than Morgan in the uh, All-Star game when I sat around for half an hour, was to Tommy Agee. So they get a one nothing lead. So Moda makes the great play and right. Agee's making great plays. We lose that game. And then we had the freak plays, you know, the ball in the dugout off of Cleon Jones. I mean, it was, if you go back um, and you look at that, like if they play it on ESPN highlights, I just – turn it off or walk out of the room <laughs> because, you know, when you play a five game series, I mean, I'm sure the Yankee or the uh, Dodgers thought the same thing when we played them in 66, Mo Jabrowski comes in and strikes out 11 Dodgers in game one. We win, you know, five to two or something like I pitch against Koufax and Willie Davis drops a couple of balls. We win six, nothing. We win one, nothing, one, nothing. It's four games, five games of world series. It's, you know, the game speeds up, you, you know, you think, well, we'll win tomorrow. Well, you don't. And then, you're only playing four, you know, all you have to do is lose four games. So to lose to a team like the Mets, you know, they believed that they were going to win. You know, I mean, they had Crane Poole and they had, I mean, they had a lot of good players that played well. Uh, they surprised everybody in the National League. So I don't think we were, um, you know, we were overconfident at all. I mean, my, about four years ago, my I was adopted at birth in New York and my wife traced my, uh, my heritage. So, I'm on about 100% Irish. That's that's why I'm currently have a melanoma because I never knew. I always said, let's go out in the sun. But anyway, so we meet one of my uncles, Pat Maroney. And um, so he, he's on a, an Irish cruise from Lauderdale. They're going back to Orlando. My wife says, why don't we meet for lunch at uh, Emerald Dunes Golf Club and uh, appropriate, you know, Irish people at Emerald Dunes Golf Club in West Palm Beach. So they comes in and first thing out of his mouth, oh, Jim, you know, has his Scottish, this Irish rogue, he says, Jim, you know, what happened in 1969? And I said, Pat, I said, I forgot about that. Put it out of my mind. He says, oh, <laughs> oh you know, I'm a big Matt fan. and I, But I used to come see you pitch when you played the Yankees. And my wife, Susan, says, well, I thought you just told us you were a Met fan. Why did you, <laughs> why did you come to see Jim pitch against the Yankees? Well, I hated the Yankees. You used to always beat them. You beat them 30 times. <laughs> so there, that's in a nutshell, you know. It's hey, how, you beat the Yankees 30 times? Yeah. Wow. Well, I beat some other teams 29, 28 times. I mean, you know, John, you should try pitching for 19 years on a good team. You know, it helps. And you I never know, gave I, up a grand it, slam, did you? I mean, there was never you know, a grand I, slam I, hit I, off I, of you. And, um, Dick, I always thought it was Dick Bremer who does, you know, really good broadcaster for the Twins. But it's Dick, he called me the other day, it was Dick Bremer. I said, I'm calling you Dick Bremer. So, but Dick Bremer. So he says, yeah, you know, yeah. and then uh, he works with Glenn Perkins, left-handed pitcher. You know, I, I heard a Peacock game he did with Ben McDonald, you know, who's a great broadcaster. They did a game in Baltimore. And I 
So I said, you know, I really enjoyed your game. And he said, uh, you never threw a grand slam. And I said, yeah, but you know what? The And I don't know how I did this. I never threw back-to-back home runs. See, I know I walked 13 guys with the bases loaded, which I thought would be a lot. But Seaver walked more. I think Ryan, well, Nolan, you know, walked guys, more guys anyway, but struck out more guys. Um, he walked more with the bases loaded. So I walked 12 guys with the base, 13 guys with the bases loaded. Tim Kirchin came out on the field in Baltimore, you know, and I used to eat pancakes. He goes, cakes, uh, you know, had a list, you know, had like a list here. He goes, uh, what, put it, 13 names on. He said, guys in Bristol said, you won't know what these names are. I had no idea who the, what the names were, but again, I'd like to pride myself. I was fairly intelligent. I go, must've been the guys I walked with the bases loaded. He said, I told him, you'd know who you know, whatever, which I did, but it was the only logical answer. So I walked 13 guys with the bases loaded. So I never threw a grand slam. Now, I, my question was, I wonder how many guys I walked after I gave up a home run, because that's a good way never to give up back to back home runs, walk the next day. And then, and then, and then if after that walk, did I give up a home run? <laughs> You, you see where I'm going, John? Could we? Could you have? Could you have managed me? I guess is really. Oh, uh, uh, hey! You he used to tell me a story though. Something about that grand slam, where like he, uh, there was something you did so you wouldn't have to pitch to somebody or something, or was it? No, no, it was. It was. We're we're playing the Rangers. We haven't scored over three runs in a month, and uh, I give a run the first. Doug Desense throws the ball down the right field line, and they get three runs. Now they got runners at second and third. First base is open. John Lowenstein's coming to play. Who played with us? Good hitter. Always hit me pretty well. Um, with Al Oliver on deck. Now, do you remember how Al Oliver, how good a hitter he was? Oh yeah. So Earl Weaver comes out to the mound, and he says, "I want you to walk Lowenstein." He says, "I want you to walk Lowenstein to to get to Al Oliver." And I said, "Why would I want to do that? I'm about 3,500 innings into not throwing." <laughs> So he, my manager, the little genius who's on his way to Cooper, wants me to walk. I, I'd rather give up a three-run home run than than, than walk Lowenstein <laughs> to get to Al, Al Oliver. So he says, uh, I said, why would I want to do that? Oh, yeah, maybe I'll throw a ground ball. I said, I throw I throw line drives and fly balls, Earl. I said, <laughs> I said, you really want me to walk him? And he says, yeah, I do. And I said, well, here, you pitch. I'm going to go manage. I said, that's <laughs> walk the and runs off the mound. Now I got Dempsey. I got Rick behind the mound. He said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I guess we, we got to walk him. And then I said, but Bill Stein's on deck. You know, Bill Stein was a line drive hitter, pretty good hitter, but, you know, no power, good gap hitter. I said, you, uh, we're going to walk Lone Sun. I want you to sit about three or four inches off the outside corner, and I'm going to walk. <laughs> I'm walking uh, Al Oliver because I had seen him in the World Series you know, I, I knew how good a hitter he was. You know, I mean, he had like ended up with about 28 oh, yeah. hits. So, so now I, you know, so we walk Lowenstein. Now the bases are loaded. And I'm not, you know, normally I would, I took a stretch, you know, with a runner at third, but there's, I don't know who's on. Somebody's slow. So I'm just standing there with my glove up here and I'm looking in and Dempsey puts down fastball and I go, God, he remembered, you know, and, I, and then, <laughs> so then so I kind of start, you know, I start to go into my windup and he moves up and in. Now, John, you caught. If you're thinking low and away, and your catcher moves <laughs> up and in, where the after you just <laughs> where's it going? Hey, you, you just told him too. <laughs> I know that, but it was about two minutes earlier. 
So, but I, at least he got the fastball right. So I kind of, as I'm just about to start, and then I just step off the mound. And uh, Joe Brinkman calls a balk, the greatest balk of my career. The there you go. More so, so that's how I that that so that's how I kept from doing that. Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, that is beautiful, man. Well, listen, hey, uh, big. Uh, we had a couple couple guys. We got you on here because it's uh, you're one of my favorite guys I ever met in the game, right? And it's Hall of Fame week. In the you know, then a, a couple guys that played for the Blue Jays, Freddie McGriff and Scotty Rowland played part, oh, yeah. part of one year going in the Hall of Fame this year. And in the uh, but so we wanted to salute you, salute you for you know, did you have tremendous. Did you have Don Manley on? Yes, last week. Oh, did you really? Yeah, because somebody I somebody said something that he was going to be on, or I don't know if he had been on. Could he? I mean, there's a guy that should, you know, he's got a higher war than uh, than Harold Baines, and I love Harold. I started him off with him solo home run to start his career to Cooperstown. But yeah, I mean Oh Donnie's he, gotta be I I agree, man. You know? Yeah. Hey, I mean, you, know, you, I, you can still be a meteor. I mean it's funny, you know, Koufax is I mean, Sandy dominated. He was the dominant dominant pitchers of the sixties, even though Gibson was pretty pretty good. Um yeah, you know, you can be a meteor and still go to the Hall of Fame if people want to really look at what you're able to do. And I mean I faced him one time a little ground ball between third and short. And I go yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, this is like when he's probably a rookie and I just right. pushed him over and he had a little ground ball where he should have. But I saw him hit, you know, we had a guy, Don Ossie, and Don Ossie's thrown about 97, 98 on the old gun, you know, that I mean, really. And he threw him a fastball, you know, get like 1 0, 2 0 fastball, hit it over the bullpen to win the game. And I, I mean, when you get like 238 hits and 53 doubles and 30 plus home runs and drive in, didn't he drive in at like 135 40, or 100? 40, 40 something, I think. Yeah, all the gold gloves, all the grand slams. Yeah, and doing it in Yankee Stadium. You know what? I We, we brought up the other day because I was it looked over his numbers too. In like 750 plate appearances, he struck out 40 times. Well, he was like he was like to imagine if you look at that. Yeah. He walked, he walked 53 times, I think, walked, struck out 40 times one year. And yeah, to, it's – well, Now, guys, like, you know, now it's no big deal to strike out 40 times in a in – a, half a month you know it's like well, that's the norm the game has changed as you said <laughs> yes. i mean you know what i mean just think about it i mean if you're managing and you know this guy's going to hit 30 home runs but he's going to strike out 180 times game kind of stops still for you doesn't it a little bit yeah oh yeah, yeah. bobby valentine said about pete and Cavillia, you know just not a rob deer yeah not enough good things happen so um so you know i mean i think Maybe well, it's funny though. You, you know, I mean, I'm I, I still think it's very at least as a former pitcher, it's very disconcerting for me to even broadcast where you have a different baseball pretty much every year. Why? I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. You're a general manager in 2019. Guys are hitting warning track fly balls that are going into the seats because the ball's juice. So the next year, that sort of guy gets a nice raise. You know, next year I'm going to hit more home runs. So his launch angle sit more pop-ups, but the ball's not going out because the ball's dead or it was dead last year. It was live, you know, live in 21, deader in 22, yeah. you know, 23. Now it's more live. At least it looks that way or it sounds yeah. that way. Why? Why should, uh, why should the, you know, uh, professor, uh, you know, Manford goes into his, his laboratory and what, 
He's like Franken, you know, Franken Manfred. He goes in and dials up what baseball we're going to have that year. It's crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, a general manager's putting his team together and he's expecting this or hoping for this, right? And then it turns around. I don't know how that, that so much manipulation could even ha- take place. It's, it's what like happened that. in 77, the ball was what, about 18 feet farther. And home runs went up. My ERA went up a little bit. I mean, I didn't throw 40 home runs, 30 home runs or whatever, but it went up a little bit. And then they went back to normal. But they were had gone to, they'd gone from cow hide or horse hide to cow hide because it's more you know available and whatever and the you know and the the factories down in haiti you know eventually costa rica and wherever they make them el salvador or whatever you know they were transitioning so the balls were like lopsided it's like throwing a football something they have thrown them out you know <laughs> and of course right. they were by spalding and, and rawlings back then and i my my i i wouldn't wear a spalding glove because they started making them in in you know overseas, and I reached around the batting thing, or you know the screen out in center. I was checking base, spring training. The ball went through the web. First day I got the glove, I go, I don't think I'm going to be using this on the mound. No, no. So the balls were different or whatever, but it, it just it's it's you know I, again they've done so many good things this year. Now maybe we can regulate the baseball so it's the same every year. I mean, even if you look last year, did you did you read about the Goldilock balls? which were you had the 22 ball, except they had some of the 21s and some of the balls they used in home run derbies that had a tendency to be used more in Yankee Stadium last year than they were in any other ballpark. Really? Nothing against Aaron Judge, who I think is one of the great guys in baseball. Yeah, but but there's a – there's a professor, Meredith Wills, who actually studies. She's an astrophysicist. She actually cuts up baseballs in her thing is how balls travel and all that. And they don't like to get the balls to her. <laughs> Baseball doesn't yeah. like that. The truth sometimes hey. tells you the whole story, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the world we live in now, brother. San Antonio, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. My wife's <laughs> a Little Rock. I mean, not Little Rock. From, uh, from uh, College Station. That's right. You told me that. That's right. Uh, Aggies. Well, listen, brother, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on here, man. Gig them. Gig them. Gig them. Gig them. Okay. Gig them. That's gig them. Listen, man, we wish you the best. I miss seeing you around. I'm glad you, you know? finally surfaced. You know, that's good. I, I'm, I kind of worry about you. Well, you know, I was working for the Braves as like a, a special assignment. You know how they give. In you know during COVID, so I didn't do much, and then uh, I got this podcast going. We we put it all put it together in uh, so I had Anthopolis made me resign down there with the Braves because I guess I was talking to about baseball or something. So yeah, you uh, uh, it was in your office one day, and you introduced yeah. me to it. Seemed like a real yeah. great baseball man, but he's I'll go to the he gets it. By the way, I'll oh yeah. Back. Oh yeah, they do it right. He he gets it. You know, he he's he's smart, analytical, but he yet he understands he's got the best coaching staff. They got all these guys that have been uh, yeah, well Rick Bennett is the pitching coach, I believe. It was with us. Yeah. They got a nice bunch of guys. Yeah, Wash and all them Seitzer, all they all them guys, you know. And they got one of them all. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sites. Well, listen, brother, man, safe travels. We I'm not uh going a couple of weeks, but thank you. <laughs> Jimmy, thanks, man. Okay. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All you right, Jim. pal. Take care.
All I can say is, wow, John, another great gabbing with Gibby. Jim Palmer, what a storyteller. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's one of the best. You know, I tell you what, uh, if you can sit down and visit with him, you better have some time on your hand, man, because he can go on and on and on. And uh, just one of the good guys, one of my favorite people I've met in the game. And, and uh, uh, you know, he, he's spent time with anybody, and he's. You know, he's, he's, he's a legend. He's a legend, not only on the field, but in the broadcast booth. Very few people could compare to his career. 77 years old, has done it all. I mean, beating Sandy Koufax in the World Series in 66. I mean, everything the guy's done. And his recollection was fascinating to me. It was amazing. What a great guest, John. Thank you so much for getting him and bringing him on another gabbing with Gibby. We really enjoyed that. No, one. Thank, thank him. It was awesome. It really was. But now, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this this week's Roast and Toast. John, I know you watched the All-Star Game, as I did, and uh, I have to say that I think, collectively, we agree on who we're roasting this week. And those were the uniforms worn by the Major League Baseball all-stars. It was horrific to me when I saw these guys being introduced in with a pomp and circumstance. And I thought I was looking at, first Who's of all, I thought they were wearing black jeans, the NL uh, all-stars. And I was like, they look like, like Terminex guys, or maybe, uh, maybe some hired security officers. I was like, this is not baseball. And you, even the caps were all the same color. Unis were the same color. It was like, what have we come to? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, Johnny. Yeah, I used to look forward to watching the All Star Game, and everybody's in their their team's uniform, right? Yes. There's the pride, the pride of it all, and, and I guarantee you, we're not alone in our thinking here. Because and there's there was a there was a few guys, first timers out there that, that I wasn't familiar with. I'm thinking, who's what team does he play for, right? <laughs> and I had to, had to look it up. Where in the past, you'd know right away who hey, this guy played for this team or that team. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a. Uh, profitable thing or they sell more of those uniforms with jerseys or hats whatever it is but it's kind of it's kind of taken away in my opinion a little bit from you know obviously in yours and many people's hey this is how we associate it you know we're watching this the best players in the universe all together but yet we can identify with their own team i I root for this team right and here it's just kind of like you couldn't even identify them and i hope no. That next year they go back to the tradition because they got a lot of flack on social media and everywhere else. Hey, don't no count way. on it, man. Don't count on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true. That's very true. But on the other side of the coin, let's go to the toast of the week. The National League, who won its first All-Star game since 2012, breaking the American League's 10-game winning streak with a 3-2 victory. So we got to toast uh, the National League for winning uh, but since 1988, John, the AL has had a 27-7 and record with just one tie. Uh, but I guess the ghost of Tommy Lasorda would be proud to see the NL win. Yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah, Tommy, rah, rah. He wanted that National League team, or, team to win. But uh, it's, it's like we talked about earlier, uh, that you know, Arizona came to town to play the Blue Jays. National Leagues don't like that American League teams too often nowadays. It's just kind of – it seems to be a little bit lopsided. doesn't mean they're the American League – going to win the world series every year but there's a there's definitely a difference there seems to be anyway so uh why that you know why they all-star games are are different too you know what it's not that nobody's trying everybody's trying not to win or it doesn't matter and all that but you look at all the sports you know even you watch the 
the all-star game football the or even basketball there's like no defense plays it's almost it's 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 really lost its luster i think or the competitive you know uh fire um yeah but that's just the way it is people people still like i imagine they, they view in pretty heavily um but hey what are we gonna do so 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 just help us out one we give us our uniforms back and then play the game however and we'll, take, we'll live with the results we just want to know who's who that's exactly right, John. That's a good point. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, I'm John Arezzi. We'll talk more baseball with you right here on the Gibby Show next week. So have a great week, everyone, and go Blue Jays. Blue Jays.